Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Hey, as you walk around our building, even as you look on the screen, as you look on the sign, even as you relieve yourself in our bathrooms, you're going to see this phrase. Y'all have seen it. You're going to see this phrase, Kingdom Co. Everybody say Kingdom Co. Kingdom Co. If you're to read through the New Testament, I find it intriguing, interesting, interesting um, that in the four Gospels, which are all the story of Jesus, his earthly life, his earthly ministry leading up to the cross, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, same story from four different perspectives, you'll see the kingdom mentioned 126 times. That's a lot just in four books. You think like just John has 21 chapters, I think. So that's like, that, that's a lot of times to be mentioned a hundred times. That's like every, other, you know, every chapter has got to be mentioned in there at least. A hundred, that's a lot, okay? But then in the rest of the New Testament through Paul's letters and the other letters in the New Testament, we only see the kingdom mentioned 34 more times. Why the disproportion of the mentioning of the kingdom? I think one of the primary reasons, I know one of the primary reasons is because of how often Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven. You know, I, I would venture as far to say that Jesus' primary mission was to establish the kingdom of heaven. I know that's a bold claim, but as we look at it, I, I think you'll see it more and more. You gotta remember, Jesus is, he's baptized by John the Baptist. The Spirit descends. He's filled with the Spirit. It says, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. And then, he, and then he comes out. And this is what it says in Luke 4, or Matthew 4, sorry. It says, from then on. Everybody say, from then. Okay, that was close. We'll work on that. He comes out of the wilderness. From then on. So not just one time, not just he stepped into the temple and he said, from then on, until Jesus died, from that point on, he began to preach, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his message. The kingdom is here. Amen? Notice the phrasing, from then on. The kingdom of heaven is near because the king has finally arrived. Amen? So if, you, if we look back and we peer back into Jewish antiquity, you'll see that the idea of the kingdom of heaven is not unfamiliar to the Jewish people of the day. Now, we know Jews are, are they're God's people who have been set apart. God's given them laws to follow. He's marked them as his own people. Jesus was a Jew himself. And, and so this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, I, I would go as far to say that there is expectation and anticipation for the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. Because in this time, the Jews are being oppressed uh, in an earthly sense. By, by, the, by the Roman government, they're being oppressed. In the book of Isaiah, it prophesies that even though Jerusalem is in ruins, God is coming back to set the captives free. God, God is coming back as a man, and, and he's going to give Give the Jews the freedom they've been looking for. That, that's what the book tells us. That's what it prophesies about. There is, there is mention that some messianic earthly king is coming back and he's going to establish the kingdom of heaven. Now, the way the Israelites interpreted how this would look 
is this, this God-man that's going to come. He's, he's going to be a powerful, authoritative, warlike, political, earthly king who says, if you mess with my people, then, I, then I'm going to mess with you. He's going to beat up all the bad guys, and he's going to set them free and give them freedom on earth. He's going to favor the Jews and set them free from their Roman oppression, which is earthly oppression. They're like, man, I, I can't wait for the day. I'm not broke no more. I can't wait for the day they stop killing my family members. I can't wait for the day they, 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 they keep us in these, I, they keep us in, in, in these lower income areas. I can't wait till, till the kingdom of heaven is established, till the king comes and sets us free. I'm ready for it. So many Jews are already living with this mentality that they need to, they need to be part of the kingdom of heaven. They want to see it manifested so bad that they're of the mindset, they're of the belief that they need to fight against and revolt against Rome themselves because that's what the kingdom of heaven is and that's what it's going to look like. They're so desperate for the arrival of this king, but this messianic king that's been prophesied about looks nothing like they thought he would. The king is Jesus. A poor prophet. Does anything good come from Nazareth? He was born in the hood, y'all. God, the savior of the world, born to a poor teenage girl in the hood. Yet he walks around healing people and inviting people to follow him and has the audacity to say, this is the arrival of the kingdom. It better not be. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. You can't be the guy. This looks so different. But I, but I want to observe something. This happens in Luke 4. Remember, Jesus is baptized. Spirit descends on him. He's led into the wilderness. Fast for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. He comes out. He walks into the temple. When he walks into the temple, they hand him the scroll, and he says, ha, check this out. Look at this. Luke 4. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Luke 4, verse 17. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, handed to Jesus. He unrolls the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. He's looking through the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down and said, you're looking at him. Any questions? The Jews would have known this particular passage was a messianic uh, prophetic text that alluded to uh, the coming of the messianic king. And Jesus reads it. And then he sits there and looks at him like, <laughs> yeah, let's look at it. He goes, he rolled up the scroll, sat down, handed it back to the attendant. All lies in the synagogue looked at him and they began to speak to them. They began to speak to them. Then he began to speak to them, sorry. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Yeah, 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 that, that's me. <laughs> Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be? This is Joseph's son. They're shocked because of who Joseph is and where he comes from. The, 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 the king, the savior of the world, the, 
Is Joseph's son? And what's hilarious is, is Jesus says, but I'm not going to perform any miracles here because the prophet ain't accepted in his own town. So I'm going to go to the next town. And then they form an angry mob and try to push him off a cliff and he sneaks away. But that's not what I'm preaching on. But that happens. Just go read it. I'm just saying. Jesus alludes. Bit by bit through his ministry, you'll see these slow releases. Mentions of the kingdom. Slowly revealing his mission to establish the kingdom of heaven, to make known that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Prince, the prince of Peace, the King of Kings. He's making it known. He's revealing. Yes, Peter, who do you say I am? And once you recognize this, once you put on these kingdom glasses and you read through the gospels and you, and you, and you follow Jesus through his ministry, you start to hear and see undertones of the kingdom everywhere you look especially when just after this, you know, we, we slide into Jesus's sermon on the Mount. And what he does is he lays out the culture of the kingdom. He says, this is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom, right? We love our enemies. We, we, we pray. We don't do things to be seen by other people, right? And he lays out all these, all these different things of what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom. And because of, and, and here's what I believe you know, there's this, there's this slow release. Jesus is, he's on earth. And, and, and the part of the reason Jesus talks about the kingdom so much is because I think what Jesus has recognized is what the Jews have interpreted the kingdom of heaven to look like. It, it's wrong. It looks nothing like they thought it would because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's like, you thought I was gonna set you free from your earthly oppression. I'm gonna set you free for all eternity. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Your, your mind ain't big enough for what I'm getting ready to do. But, 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 but this, this slow release here, let me get back to my notes because I was lost what I was thinking. Uh, uh, he's, he's, oh yeah, he's, so he knows that they have this expectation of what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like, what the king's going to look like, how it's going to establish. I think Jesus has to spend so much of his earthly ministry carefully unpacking and, and helping the Jews to unlearn what they think the kingdom of heaven is because it looks nothing like they thought it would. So considering all that, I know that's an obnoxious setup for where I'm going here. But in Matthew 13, we see Jesus and his disciples, and we see an interesting question that they asked Jesus. Let's look. His disciples came and asked him, Jesus has, has just pushed off onto a boat and he's teaching people with parables. And y'all know that parables are earthly stories with heavenly principles embedded in them. But they asked Jesus, they said, his disciples came to him and asked him, Jesus, uh, why do you use parables to teach people? Why do you do that? And Jesus replies, you are permitted to understand the secrets. Everybody say secrets secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. I'm going to make this real, real plain so all the simple people like me can get it. Parables are two-part. They reveal secrets about the kingdom of heaven. Simultaneously, when Jesus shares parables, they conceal secrets about the kingdom of heaven. Okay, the only difference for what side you fall on is the posture of your heart. And this, and this is why Jesus says if you have ears to hear and, and eyes to see, then, then hear, then see it. Okay, so Jesus, if Jesus releases it all at one time and says, I'm the son of God, I'm the, I'm the establishing the kingdom of heaven, he'll just be killed. 
they'll just take them. It's a slow release. Jesus has more work to do. He's got 12 disciples and apostles to develop. He's got a church that he's going to need to break out on earth. So Jesus says, for those who would get offended and would try to kill me, I'm going to tell this story because they can't get mad at me at talking about a gardener. But those who know who I am and those who have ears to see, come on, I'm establishing the kingdom of heaven on y'all. Parables reveal truth while simultaneously concealing it. And it, it would be the claims of Messiah, him, king, the blasphemy. That would be the thing that gets him crucified. And here's what I love. Hindsight is 2020. You've heard the expression. So even though they were in the moment while Jesus is sharing parables, now as we have the complete word of God, as we have scripture, we can look on it with eyes to see and ears to hear. Okay? The spirit, the sword of the spirit, the word of God has been revealed to us. And we have it. So we can soak it up for all it's worth. So for the next two weeks, Pastor Chad set me free. He says, hey, we're not doing the same thing at both campuses. You preach on whatever you want. I said, you ain't got to tell me twice. I said, let's go. I said, let's go. Starting a two-week mini-series called Kingdom Secrets. Everybody say, Kingdom, kingdom. Secrets. Secret. And we're going to look at these parables, and we're going to find out some kingdom secrets. Shout amen if you're excited. Here's the title of today's message. The Secret of the Seed in the soil. You like that? The secret of the seed in the soil. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And God, I am praying right now through the power of your spirit, you would till the soil of our heart, help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. We want to be transformed by your word. We don't want to just come in here week after week and just hear it. God, if we just come and we hear, but we don't apply it, we don't do it, we're deceiving ourselves. So God, I pray of kingdom, allow transformation to break out in this room, that you would cultivate this room to be a company of kingdom people. And God, as, as we see something happening in the nation, uh, specifically with this Roe versus Wade trial and all that might consist of, the church has the greatest opportunity to care for kids because there's going to be more kids than ever who are going to need homes, who are going to need families, who are going to need love. And God, help us answer the call to continue fostering kids in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to jump right into the text today. <coughs> Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got in a boat. Then he sat there and he taught the people while they stood on the shore. There, Jesus like, y'all are cramming me. I'm feeling claustrophobic. I'm going to get in this boat. Y'all stay here. I'm going to push off. Now I'll teach y'all. Okay, that's what's going on. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. And this is going to be our parable for the day. This is what we're going to break down for today. If you're not taking notes, get out a pen. Get out your phone. Uh, you're going to want to take notes today. It says this. Listen, as a farmer went out to sow some seeds, he scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly but because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wiltered under the hot sun. Since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Seven other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. 
And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's what we're talking about, conceal and reveal and, and all that. Disciples are like, why are you using parables? Talk to people, he said. You're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. So here's what we know offhand. This is a parable. As believers, we understand that parables are, are really just a puzzle for us. And we have a couple of pieces of the puzzle as, as we approach the parable. Now, we can read this, and we can make some guesses, some educated guesses on maybe what Jesus has mentioned and maybe get close on some of it. I bet we'd probably be off with some of it too. But what we do know is we have a farmer who's scattering seed things. We have a farmer who's scattering seed. Um, and then Jesus is intentional to mention four different kinds of soil. Did y'all see that? So footpath, shallow rock, thorny, and then fertile or, or good soil. So we, so we have our puzzle pieces as, as we address, okay. So who's the farmer? What does the seed represent? Four different kinds of soil. What do the different soils represent? What is Jesus trying to communicate to this large crowd with this perplexing parable? What is he trying to say? You know, I just wonder as I was reading this, I went to Tulsa this week, Monday through Wednesday with uh, the girls and my parents, little Mother's Day extravaganza. And uh, we, were on, we were at our Airbnb on back patio, back patio with my dad. And we started talking about pastoring and you know, I said, Dad, I just, I love what I do. Like, I just love what I do. I, I, I love talking with people. I said, I just, I really value the opportunity. It's crazy. I, I find myself sometimes walking through people's darkest moments with them and just having, and just being able to be in places with people that not many people get to be. And I said, and I'm just great. And he's like, man, when you're in those, when you're in those conversations, when you're in those counseling sessions, he's like, he's like, what, how, how do you deal with them? And I said, believe it or not, I'm like, it's really not about having all the solutions. Sometimes it's just about being a soundboard. And like sometimes I'm just, I'm just there to sit and listen. Now, of course, we want to use biblical truth to try and uh, find biblical solutions. But a lot of times it's the same. It's consistency of character. There's not a lot of quick fixes in life. Anybody found that out? Come on. It's just about trusting Jesus and being faithful and, and abiding in him. Um, so there you go. There's your free counseling session. Praise God. But, I, but I, talk, I love listening to people. I love it. I love hearing their stories. I love hearing what they've walked through, where they, where they came from, where they are now. But sometimes it doesn't always transfer when I'm at home in the living room and I'm scrolling through my phone and kind of watching Netflix at the same time and my wife over here starts talking to me, but it doesn't start connecting with my neurons or whatever. Come on, let me pretend to be a teacher, amen, a professor or something. But I, but I pick up on that she's saying something to me, that she's talking to me halfway through. So I try to accumulate whatever, whatever I can hear and whatever I can't get from it. And I'm sitting there saying, oh, Lord. And I got to make an educated guess to respond appropriately and rightly to what she just asked me, even though I don't really know what she's just said. Any husbands in the room? Amen. That was a loud amen, too. And so I'll respond. And she's like, that doesn't even make sense. That's not what I was talking about. I just wonder if because, the, you know, the disciples, <laughs> it never works. Like, it never works, right? I just wonder if the disciples, you know, because they have closest proximity to Jesus, because they know him uh, uh, 
maybe more than the normal person might if they hear Jesus share these parables and they're like, amen, Jesus. I hear you, Jesus. You better say that, Jesus. Um, but then they get with them and they're like, Jesus, what are you saying? Like when you share these parables, what, do you, what are you even talking about? And like I said, thankfully, you know, we, we could make our best guesses what they mean, but the, the beauty of having uh, the scriptures in their entirety is just a couple of verses down. Jesus just lays it out what the parable means, all secrets revealed. So let's read Matthew 13, 16. What was he really saying? What, was, what were the kingdom secrets he was revealing through this parable? He says this. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to start in uh I'll start verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted on their hearts. So it just the seed just rests on the surface of their heart. It never takes root. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell on the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much that had been planted. So praise God, with the help of Jesus, we discover a clear understanding of what this, what this parable means, and we discover some kingdom secrets. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I made it simple and sexy so you could remember it. The seed is the sun. The soil is the soul. Not S-U-N, S-O-N. You like that, Nikki? I saw you nod with me. The seed is the sun. The soil is our soul. Okay? But Pastor Mark, I, I thought Jesus said the, the message about the kingdom. Not Jesus. Jesus is the seed. I thought it was the message about the kingdom. That was. Listen, this is the message of the kingdom. Jesus saves. Those who confess with their mouths and believe in their heart Jesus is Lord will be saved. That's the message of the kingdom. That's the message of the kingdom. And Jesus is saying how, and what he's saying is, how do you respond to that message? That is the seed, right? He's like, remember, this is the kingdom of heaven. They're waiting for this messianic king to come. And Jesus is just like, no one else is coming. I'm him. I'm the savior. I'm the Messiah. Jesus is the message of the kingdom sent from the father to save the world. Jesus is the seed, Okay. Then you'll notice Jesus describes each soil. And when he describes the soil, really what he was describing is the condition of our souls, the soil of our hearts. And it is the posture of the soul that determines if we're soil able to steward the seed. I'll say that again. It is the posture of our soul that determines if we're soil able to steward the seed. I don't know if you noticed, but there was far more soil that didn't work than soil that did. In fact, we see three to one, right? And that's because Jesus told us the highway to hell is broad, but the, the gate to heaven is narrow. 
There's only one way there. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. There's one way there. That's why there's only one example. But there's a whole lot of ways to get to hell. Don't say amen right there. Because we'll have an altar call right here, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Pastor Mark, are you saying it's my works that keep me right with God? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when we read the words of Jesus and when we heed what he said, he said this in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is all Jesus is doing is laying out what it looks like to authentically, genuinely follow him. And that's the question. Do you follow him? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, in fact, I need to take a sip of water before we get into this here. Eric, make sure you bust out that camera wherever you are. I know you're bouncing around this room somewhere. Come on, y'all know I'm country. I went to Orsons yesterday. I got myself some seed, and, and you know, this is really a picture of what happens every week. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Right? It's just seed. It's just seed. Come on. If you bring your full tithe, you know, to the storehouse, he'll open up the floodgates of heaven. It's just seed. Come on, there is no other name. He's the, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Get Jess Waukee for sure. She needs that. You know what I'm saying? Come on, this is, this is what's happening every week. First service, people were getting mad at me. And I enjoyed every bit of it. What you'll notice is there's no variation here. The seed's always the same. The seed doesn't change. The word tells me he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's been one way, and it's always one way, amen? It's him. It ain't changing anytime soon. The seed doesn't change. It's just subject to the soil. I thought so, too. Come on. <laughs> like, and I believe, I believe God is sovereign. Salvation is his work alone, and Paul made it clear. It's not our doing, so you can't boast about it. But what it does take is Holy Spirit till the soil of my heart to receive the seed of your word because the spirit is the only thing that makes the soil fit for the seed. It's the spirit that makes the only thing, right? Come on. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And as the spirit preps the soil of our heart, then we can receive the seed of God. It is his work. But I was just reading in Acts 7 this morning, we can reject the Holy Spirit. We can turn away from the prompting of the Holy Spirit. At least, at least that's what the scriptures lay out. At some point, we need to make a decision. Come on, what soil are you going to be? What kind of soil are you? Only the Spirit makes the soil fit for the seed. And here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. I wish I had one more service to throw this on. get one more for my wife. Just you know. <laughs> I just want to take a quick peek at each soil. And, and, and I, wanna, I, I want us to help us understand what it might look like if someone is that soil today. And because here's the deal, I can preach till I'm blue in the faith, but it's got to be God. It's got to be the spirit that does the work in you. Pastor Mark can't do it for you. You can't white-knuckle your way to salvation. You can't white-knuckle your thing into the things of God. It's got to be his spirit. But what I do believe is this word is sharper than any double-edged sword cutting through joint, joint or, or marrow and bone, something like that. It's, it's something like that. 
discerns our inner thoughts. So I believe as we share this and as we talk about this, the Holy Spirit is gonna convict you what type of soil you are. And that's really grace saying, you need, you need your heart to get realigned. Y'all good? Y'all with me? Here we go. Footpath. What is it? Jesus said in Matthew 13, 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. What, what does that look like? Maybe that's a person who, who they think there's a positive afterlife for everybody. There, there's multiple ways of experiencing heaven. Or maybe they don't even get, they don't understand that God is a just God and that nothing evil can exist in heaven, but we are evil. There's only one thing that can make us not evil because there's only one thing that's perfect. Therefore, if our spirit hasn't joined with that which is perfect, we are not fit for heaven. He's just, he's creating a place that's perfect. So something that's perfect can't exist. If people don't grasp that God is a just God, then they struggle to think, how could a loving God let hell exist? It's just the truth. I don't understand it. I I don't think Jesus is the way. I, I just believe we're supposed to be good people. This is what not understanding looks like. We're not good. You don't understand. Maybe this is someone who hears the gospel message or the message about Jesus, but they just don't even believe Jesus was a real person. Whether it's human logic or it's doubt, there, there's, there's a barrier that can be created that only keeps the seed on the surface of our heart. My batteries might be dying too, so let me, let me know if I need to switch these out. Like what we, what we have to remember and what the scripture is so clear to tell us is our enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. The last thing he wants is for that seed to take root. Amen? So he'll come snatch it if he can. Practical things we can do to make sure this ain't the soil we are. Discipleship. Have somebody, spend some time with somebody who's further along in their, in their walk with the Lord than you. Join a life group. Get around some biblical community, accountability. Uh, ask someone to teach you the scriptures and read the scriptures with you. Consistently attend church. Not because it's church that gets you saved, but your spirit is gonna be edified in this room. You're gonna worship with other believers. You're gonna encounter the presence of God and you're gonna learn about his word, amen? Developing the discipline of reading the scriptures by yourself. I don't understand them. There are 3,000 and tools you can use to learn how to read them. No more excuses. Read your Bible. Make time. Consistently pray. And you need to specifically pray. Give me wisdom and understanding, Lord. I want to understand the message of the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Okay. Number two, rocky soil. Matthew 13, 20 through 21. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. <clears throat> Here's the deal. As I prepared this message, I didn't really have strong concern that there's a whole lot of pathway believers in the room. But I do have some strong concern that there's some rocky soil Christians in the room. Here's what rocky soil is. You went to Women's Embrace Conference, and the altar calls hit me. Jesus. Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's what thorny soil looks like. Father's Day hits. Church gives a strong exhortation to the dads. Come on, you're going to love Jesus. You've got to lead your family. <laughs> Already, Lord. 
I haven't been the man I should be, but today it all changes, Jesus. It's the kid who goes to youth camp, and they're down in the altar in tears. I'm going into ministry, and I'm deleting TikTok off of my phone, and I'm never sending another nudie on Snap again. Come on, we got to be real in church. You got to be real in church. Come on, we have these moments in the presence. We get exposed to the message of the kingdom in our responses. I'm never screaming at my kids again. I'm never not loving my spouse well again. I'm, I'm never treating my mother poorly again. I'm never having sex outside of marriage again. I'm never getting drunk again. I'm never texting that mistress again. I'm never watching pornography again. I'm never not reading my Bible consistently again. I'm all in, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I'm all in. Here's the deal. Embrace was powerful. And Father's Day was moving. And camp was life-changing. But what happens when my spouse's behavior hasn't changed and I thought things would change when I did? When I, when I had the prayer request and I believed with faith that the relative wasn't going to pass away or the sickness was going to go and, and it didn't, what happens then? When, when I'm on these business ventures and all of a sudden I'm back in my hotel room alone and I know my wife's sleeping and no one's going to come knock on that door and my flesh is burning and that craving feels strong. When everybody at the family barbecue is pounding the beers and you're like, Ugh. everybody's having a blast and everybody's laughing. That joke wasn't even funny. Everybody. And you're feeling socially awkward. Come on, can we be real? Yeah. Am I the only one? No. You know, I shared this last service. I'll never forget. Y'all know I was a heathen back in the day, so come on. I'll never forget the first time I went back to Rhode Island and I hung with the boys. And for the first time, here I am, I'm getting sanctified. I'm, I'm leading kids to Jesus, and I know I can't go back, and I can't turn up with the boys. You know, I can't. And, and so, but I know that flesh is going to burn when I get, I haven't been in waters that hot. I'm like, ooh, how's this going to go? And I'll never forget, you know, I'm in, I'm in the bar with the, <laughs> with the boys, but I got my water with an orange slice just to make it look like I'm fitting in. <laughs> and my boys are, yeah. <laughs> And for real, you know, I'm the one leading the pack normally, okay? And I'm just like, and you know what? It took one time, and I proved, new spiritual strength. I proved, you know what? I can do this. I can still have fun. I can still engage. I can still socialize, and I can still honor and glorify God while I do it. And it was from that point on, it was like, I'm free. Lord's developed something in me. You know what I mean? You know, maybe, maybe it's... You come in and it's like, you know, you have a moment with the Lord and you go back into the office. It's like, no more. I'm not cussing anymore. I'm not, I'm not taking part in the jokes. And then all your buddies at work, you know, they start calling you Jesus boy or something stupid and your feelings are hurt. So you're like, oh man, this is hard. I just, you know. What happens then? It 
And what we'll find out is all but four weeks later from that encounter, that encounter and that decision in that moment, after the cry session, the altars, after the sit-down meeting, I wasted 30 minutes with you. So you could tell me, yeah, I'm doing this for real. I'm getting, you know. After you mapped out your Bible reading plan for a year, you committed to yourself, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier because I'm praying every day. Four weeks later, you haven't talked to God. You missed church three weekends in a row to get drunk with your buddies camping. Your Bible's got dust accumulating on it. You're right back in your rebellion and your disobedience, and here's the truth. You're not following Jesus. This is thorny soil. You get excited, you receive it with joy. And then when life happens, when you get back out in the wilderness, in the wind and the rain, it doesn't hold up. And I'm going to be honest. The reason I know this one so well, and maybe the reason I spent the most time on this is because I know for a long time this was me. This big ebb and flow. Big spiritual highs, low spiritual lows. And I just wanted to encourage the room. Like you're looking at it. Like, I want to encourage somebody. You can experience spiritual maturity in your life. It's possible. You know, I said this last service, but like sometimes I have people, I can't believe how wise you are for how young you are. And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy what happens when you stop partying and read your Bible. You know, like <laughs> you learn something. Amen. You know, a consistent, passionate prayer life, consistent Bible reading in your life is possible. Purity is possible, right? Spiritual blessing is possible. I would argue Jesus wants us to live a life full of it. He wants all these things for us. Ephesians tells us every spiritual blessing is found in Christ Jesus. He ain't holding out. He's trying to throw the seed. Is the soil ready to receive it? That's the question. Jesus wants you to live in all of it. But we got to die to ourselves. Y'all know, um, you know, when you peel a cucumber, right, and you got all those peels, where do you put all those peels? Compost, okay. You know, you, you crack your eggs, you crack your eggs, and you drop them in there. You put the shells in. Why do we make compost? For soil. So maybe some things got to die in your life for the soil to be right, for the seed to grow in the way it needs to grow. Amen. Some of y'all need to allow some things to die in your spirit. But I don't even know what joy will feel like if I don't go to that thing anymore. That'll be foreign and scary. I don't, I don't even, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't act like that, if, if I don't take part in that anymore, what will I, I just, it's like, you just gotta, as uncomfortable as it is, as awkward as it is, as hard as it is, we gotta let some things die. And I promise the Holy Spirit is gonna empower you to experience real freedom, even though it's painful, even though it's hard. No more ebb and flow. Like for this church, no more ebb and flow. No more quick sprouts. It's time for us to grow roots. Paul prayed this for the church in Ephesus, so I know they had more issues than we did. He said, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious 
unlimited resources. I pray from his dollar store, Lord, you will know. We have a God who has glorious, unlimited resources, and he's willing to empower your spirit. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be ashamed. Come on, he's going to make me bold. He's going to make me courageous. He's going to make me pure. He's going to give me, he's going to empower me with his glorious, unlimited resources. Somebody shout amen. And here's what happens. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you. We, we, we got to change our prayer. We got to change our mentality. We got to call on God and say, God, strengthen me through your Holy Spirit. Till the soil of my heart. I don't want to be where I've been. I want you to do something new in me and through me. And I can testify. The Spirit gave me strength to go home and not turn up with the boys. I can testify. The Spirit gave me strength to put down the pornography after years of watching it. I can testify. The Spirit gave me courage to step into my calling when I didn't have the education, when I had the insecurities, when I had all of it. The Spirit will give you strength. You got to let some things die. Thorny soil. Y'all still with me? All right, I'm going to blitz through these because we're running out of time here. Matthew 13. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. I don't want to spend a ton of time here because I think y'all get it. And, and again, as I was looking at the soils, I'm just, just knowing my church and knowing my people and knowing my sheep and what I really want them to get coming out of here. I don't see a whole lot of footpath. I don't see a whole lot of thorny, I, uh, maybe some rocky, and then a, a lot of good soil too. But all, all this is saying is, is the pursuit of Jesus and the pursuit of money, they don't look the same. Okay? And it's Jesus who said, you can't serve two masters. Now, here's the deal. You can be a believer and have financial gain and financial abundance. I'm not saying you can't have money and be a believer. In fact, God blesses us. He says, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven over your life. So I got, I got no problem with you having money. It's just that when, when, when our pursuit of the created takes place of our pursuit of the creator, that's where it's a problem. That's where we spoil the soil of our soul. Amen? So don't lose your creator in your pursuit of the created. Really simple. To live for yourself looks a whole lot different than to live for him. Amen? All right, good soil. Maria, you can come if you don't mind. You know, a whole worship team, you can come if you guys want. All right, I'm sorry, I'm keeping y'all long. I'm keeping y'all long. All right, Matthew 13, 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear God's word and they understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much has been planted. You know, when Jesus gives a sermon on the mount, he talks about all these different areas of kingdom living and kingdom culture and what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven on earth. And, you know, he, he lays out what that looks like practically. But he has some scary words towards the end of it. He says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. And his immediate following words after sharing that 
is anyone who hears my words and follows them are like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. In the most practical sense, what it looks like to be good soil is to be a humble servant of Jesus Christ. It's living with the mindset that I am not my own. I come into agreement with the revelation that I was created through Christ and for Christ. I wasn't created for myself. So Jesus, what you call good, I believe is good. What you call evil, I'll believe is evil. Where you tell me to go, I'll go. Would you tell me to leave? I'll leave. I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. You're the boss. You're in charge. I trust you. I understand, Lord. I'm the created. You're the creator. I, I believe that all things are created through you and for you. I believe, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. So Holy Spirit, like, like Paul prayed in Ephesians, you need to empower us with your unlimited, glorious riches. We need them. Holy Spirit, you got to till the soil of our heart. Come on, we can't white knuckle it. We can't try hard enough. We just need the Spirit to move on us in a mighty way. Holy Spirit, till the soil of our hearts. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.